Welcome to A Story of God's Grace, presented by the Alumni Relations Department at Bob Jones University. My name is David Burrell, and I am the Associate Director of Alumni Relations. Today, I am excited to share my conversation with 1961 BJU grad John Adair. John owns Adair Pianos in Columbia, South Carolina, specializing in selling, supporting, repairing, and tuning world-class pianos. Adair Piano is the exclusive dealer of the Busendorfer model, Yamaha's top-of-the-line piano series, as John will explain more about in this episode. Our talk came about thanks to John's generosity in donating a 7-foot, 4-inch Busendorfer to BJU in memory of his wife, Ellen. So without further ado, here is John's story. Well, my name is John Adair, and I was a student at Bob Jones University in the early 60s. And um, I was a youth pastor and minister of music at Scottsdale Baptist Church for 20 years. And during that time, uh, pianos became my hobby because my wife was an outstanding pianist. And after about 20 years in ministry, I sort of transferred into business. And what was my hobby became my passionate interest. And I started um, my piano business. What was it during that time? I know I heard you talking a little bit about it earlier, but was there, was there a moment during that time in ministry where you kind of discovered um, pianos and like what, what the possibilities were? Yes, it was a very exciting moment. Um, my wife and I, we were in our 20s and we got a babysitter to uh, take care of our kids so that, so that we could get out and be alone. And so we went to a pizza parlor in Scottsdale, Arizona, where we were living. And there was a rinky-tink piano in that pizza, pizza parlor, and she went over and played it. And the customers really enjoyed hearing her. And then she said to me, she said, well, I'd like to have a piano like that. And God had given me the talent and has given me the talent to be able to do things and fix things and create things with my hands. And so I said, well, I'll get you a piano like that. So I looked in the one ads and I found an old upright piano for $35 and I bought it. And um, I started trying to fix it up, but the key tops were so horrible. And so I went down into Phoenix to a piano store and said, where can I get some new key tops? And they said, well, go see Mr. Reddy Reddywell at 320 West Portland Street in Phoenix. And I went over there and I walked into his piano shop and I was just converted seeing all these piano parts, these pianos all apart. And he, uh, gave me some key tops and I started working with pianos and it just became a passion with me and it just never let me and I still have it today. So you are more than, you can play the piano but you really enjoy the, the inner workings, the, the repair, the, the building of them. Well, I'm not a pianist, although I do have a music degree, a BA music degree from the University of South Carolina but I worked on pianos for two, for 15 years and couldn't play. And one day I was hearing my daughter play the piano and I thought, well, I ought to be able to do that. So I started learning and I can play a few songs now to impress a few people, but I'm not a pianist. So that does lead me to my first question that I, that I gave you earlier, is what does excite you the most about world-class pianos? We're in a room full of amazing pianos. We have a wonderful one sitting behind you, which we'll talk about soon. But what is it that excites you the most? Well, there are three things. Number one, there's the, the design of the piano, world-class piano. There's the craftsmanship of the piano. 
and then there's the materials that are used. Now when you design a piano, there has to be what we call a scale design. How long the strings need to be to give the certain pitches that you want. And then uh, there are the materials of the piano, the quality of the woods and the glues and the leathers and the felts that are used. All those things are not the same. There are certain times of the year that you cut the felt off the sheet to use and there's different quality of wool from different parts of Europe. Most of the piano's felt comes from Europe. And then there's the craftsmanship of the piano. And that's how um, skilled these men and women are who string the piano. And when you have your head in the pianos all day long, like I've had for 43 years, you see this stuff. You see how bridges in the piano are notched. You see how the strings are attached to the uh, tuning pins. And then there's a regulation. How far does the key go down? And a world-class piano, when you press the top key that has the tiniest hammer, it requires the same amount of pressure as the bottom key with a heavy ham hammer. Well, how is that? Well, that is done by weighting off the keys, putting lead weights into the keys so that the touch is uniform throughout the piano. And that's craftsmanship. That is uh, new to me. I, I never heard that before. Well, and, and see, all that is basically 1850 technology. Now, the glues are better than they were in uh, 1850, but the basic design and so forth is still the same. Cristofori invented the piano back in 1704, I believe. He was a harpsichord builder in Italy. But he designed the basic functions. It's been improved somewhat, but after about 1850, it's all the same. So what, why is the piano such an important instrument to you? Well, you don't have to turn it on. It's there. <laughs> you never have to change the batteries. You never have an update in software. You can go to the piano and you can play it. Now you do need to tune it very often, maybe every six months or at least once a year, but you can go to that instrument and if you want to be bombastic in your playing, you can do it and the piano will give it to you. But if you're sitting with someone who's sick and ill and you want to be more melodic and soft and piano quietly, you can play it. And the piano and the regulation is designed to give you that flexibility. It's just a wonderful instrument. What people don't know is that the piano is an imperfect instrument. It's not even the tuning. It's, it's what we call equal temperament tuning. And all the intervals are just distorted a little bit so that you can play in all the keys. And it's the imperfections of the piano that protects it. Now you take an electronic instrument, it, everything is just very precise and pure and just. And so they try to put in some distortion to make it more acceptable. But the piano has that all the time and that's what protects it and that's what gives you that wonderful piano sound. My wife could play a keyboard for 30 minutes and I'd get tired of it. But she could play the piano for three hours, I would never get tired. You had a Bible degree, you were in the ministry, then you 
later on you got a music degree and you changed careers. But what, what was it? Was there a moment that you can think of or, or something that happened that helped you realize this is God's calling for my life? And then, as you said already, you kind of saw it change over time. What was it that helped you see, okay, this is the next step for me? Well, the changing of my career was a very stressful and difficult time. I was in the ministry and I was very successful in the ministry, if I can use that term. And God used me in a marvelous way and, and my wife and I, we were such, such a team that God put together. And I think that's important for young people when you're considering uh, a mate, someone to marry. Is this person gonna magnify Christ in your life as you work together? But there was a time when I reached about the age of 40 that things just weren't the same and I didn't know what was happening. And I was praying my heart out but in talking to people, but I could not get any answers. It was like Hezekiah in the Old Testament, the heavens were closed. And so at that time I thought, well, what's the safest thing to do? And what's the best thing to do? So I resigned from the ministry and uh, went back to school. I had built a house at that time myself and I had a large equity, so I figured I could live for about a couple of years uh, while I waited for God to show me what to do with my life. I had a great interest in pianos, and so as I was getting my music degree in Columbia, South Carolina, we left Arizona and came to Columbia, South Carolina. My wife is from South Carolina, and I was from Memphis, Tennessee, and I enrolled in the University of South Carolina for my music degree. At the same time, I started my piano business. But the pivotal point was I needed to make some money, so I was cutting yards and I was getting pine straw off roofs. And I was working in uh, First Baptist Church of Camden as a part-time minister of music. And so we cried and prayed and said, well, it looks like God has closed the door for a Christian ministry in a church, but we will go into business. And that was a pivotal point. And we started the business and it was slow to get it going, but it grew and it grew. And now we have one of the most outstanding service business in the whole Southeast. And we've touched hundreds of lives through business, our personal testimony. Dr. Bob Jones used to say from the chapel, you know, if you're in business and use that to glorify God, you're not just in Christian ministry because you're working in a church. You're a Christian all day long. Whether you're teaching school, whether you're selling groceries, you are the Christian. Your body is the temple of God and you are to glorify him. And so we did that in our business and how God worked in a marvelous way is just so thrilling. Was there um, moments that you can remember when you were first, you know, maybe in college or, or meeting your wife where you said, you know, this is the Lord's will for us to go into the ministry. And then you had that piece together the same way you did when the, you saw the Lord leading you to business. Yes. Going back now, when I was still in high school, my father was a pastor of a church in Memphis, Tennessee. And he had a Christian education director and a minister of music called Eddie McKinley. Now the greatest influences on my life, or influence on my life was my mother and my father, and then Eddie McKinley. 
and after that, my wife, Ellen. But Eddie McKinley, when I was in high school, he taught me how to lead singing. He taught me how to do graphic arts. It was mimeograph in those days. And he was a, a Christian worker, and he was a graduate of Bob Jones University. And he took me to Bob Jones, and I, he says, they got their own radio station, they got their own printing press, they have uh, a movie program. Um, what was the name of it? I forget. Uh, unusual, unusual Films. And he was so th excited about Bob, Bob Jones, and so when I graduated from high school, I went there as a student. And that was a wonderful time for me. Yeah, I was going to ask you who had impacted your life the most, and, and you talked about it a little, but it, it does seem like it's those people that cared about you, were investing in you, that you were able then to see the Lord's leading through there. Yes, and my wife had had so much an influence that she was a quiet person, extremely gifted, a fine pianist, wonderful pianist, a harpist, an artist. She did oil paintings. She was good with plants. She was good in calligraphy, stuff like that. But my wife sort of brushed off the rough edges of me. And then later in life, I joined the Rotary Club of Columbia. And that was a very important decision because I saw how those businessmen conducted themselves and it was a wonderful experience for me <clears throat> to break out of the Christian bubble and be within the marketplace and I think it's that Christian workers need to realize that sometimes they think well I don't want to get my hands dirty in the world well Jesus did and you're going to get a little dirt here and there, but you are ministers of Christ, and your life is, is to glorify Him. What does it say? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel? No. And we need to let our lives shine in the world and in the marketplace. And that was the example you had seen from your parents, from this Christian educator, and from your wife. You yes. had seen that example in those other people. But I've taken it farther than that. It's important how we think. Tell me more about that. Well, Bob Jones, Bob Jones Sr., he was an evangelist with uh, Billy Sunday. And he had this envision in Florida in 1927 to start a school. And then he moved to Tennessee, and then they bought ground in Greenville and, and built that. And then his son, Dr. Bob Jones Jr., they thought about putting a school there. It's not easy to think like that. It scares you. But there are different levels of thinking. And how you think determines who you are. And so, in my business, when I started Adair Piano, I did not want to be the catfish on the bottom of the river. I wanted to be the highest I could be. I don't want to be called the, necessarily, I don't want to say I'm the best or I'm number one as so many in our society, they like to say, people give awards for being number one. I don't think the scripture teaches that. But I want to be the best, the best that I can be for the glory of God. And so I've sought to achieve that and you could see it in the marketplace, and that's why back in 2011, the Yamaha Corporation 
had known of Adair Piano and my work, and they wanted what they call a wood and wire dealer to represent their most premier piano, the Busendorfer, and I became a dealer uh, for the Busendorfer Piano for the state of South Carolina. Now that's a long way from my driveway working on pianos in Scottsdale, Arizona in 1965 to where I was then. And that's because you're willing to think that way. So I would encourage people. Someone said, set your goals just a little beyond your reach. Now sometimes I've done that and failed. But after you fail, you haven't completely failed because you've learned some things. And that's very important. Mm, thank you so much. I have enjoyed our conversation so far. It's, well, been, it's been a pleasure. Yeah, it's been great. But I want to know specifically the reason we're here. Um, you know, the bigger reason is the piano that's here behind you. And I wanted to hear from you what, tell, just I want to know about it. Because I'm, I'm ignorant when it comes to pianos. I can tell you what looks like a grand and what doesn't look like a grand. And that's about where my knowledge stops. So tell me a little bit more about, you've mentioned a little bit about Yamaha's partnership with you and then being the exclusive dealer of this type of piano in the state. So tell me a little bit more about this piano and then maybe how you even came to have this exact piano here in the showroom. Well, the Busendorfer piano is by far, in my judgment, the world's premier piano. It's much more expensive than a Steinway piano. However, a Steinway piano is a wonderful piano. I service over 600 of them in my business, and I've rebuilt numerous Steinways myself. They're a fine instrument. But Busendorfer has a different concept in piano design and construction. The company was begun by, I think, Mr. Busendorfer back in 1827 in uh, Austria. And he wanted to build a piano that had a Viennese sound. In other words, like a sound of a violin. He designed a piano not with a, a rigid rim like all other pianos. Most pianos, grand pianos, have a very rigid rim that's tightly associated with the soundboard so that when energy goes to the soundboard, it goes to the rim and bounces back and forth. But Busendorfer did not want that in his design, so he made the rim in different pieces and parts of it hollow. Part of the, part of the rim on this piano is hollow so that when the energy of the soundboard goes against the rim, some of it stays there. And it has a more mellow tone and texture to it. That's one of the major differences of the Busendorfer piano compared with other fine pianos that are manufactured in the world. And then, of course, the Busendorf uses just the epitome of the best materials. For example, the soundboard is spruce, of a high-grade spruce, and they only harvest that in the dead of winter. That's when they cut the trees, and then they let it season. And then you have the felt of the hammers. Well, all felt's not the same. Climate de determines how the sheep makes the felt and the diet, the diet of, of the sheep. And so you only get, Busendorfer only goes for the very best quality of felt that they put in their 
their hammers, and they get their hammers from a company called Renner. And um, this is the concept of the Renner, Renner uh, hammer making company, and they also make action parts. So those are some of the high, high qualities. And then you have the regulation of the piano. <clears throat> There's how far the key goes down, we call that key dip. And then how far the hammer travels, that's hammer travel. And this is all the regulation and how the piano touches or the touch of the piano. We've talked about that previously. The keys are weighed off so that the touch is even. And that makes the Busendorfer piano just one of the most outstanding pianos if you want that type of a sound. And how did you come to get this one that's sitting behind you? How did it end up here? What's well, when Yamaha offered, they came knocking on the door, and we've heard of Adair Piano, and would you consider being the Busendorfer dealer for the state of South Carolina? And they said, you'll have to buy two. <laughs> and that's, that's a lot of money. And I talked to my wife, I said, do we want to do this? You know, we started in a pizza parlor. And now we're to be the premier dealer in the state of South Carolina. But it's going to take this huge amount of money to buy two of these, to put them on inventory. And we said, yes, we'll do it. In other words, we're reaching a little farther than our, we could reach. But we believed that we could do that. And so we sat down on a bench in California and wrote out a huge check and we bought two pianos and we've sold one to a local hospital and we have this one here and we have another smaller Busendorfer that I'm giving to my church. And, and, and I'm not saying that this comes easy, easily. And what we're giving to Bob Jones University is not something that we just have laying around. It's something that we've sacrificed for. And you, you don't come to God in the Old Testament with a lamb that's lame. You bring the very best. And that's one of the thrilling things it is for me and it would be for my wife that we're giving the best and we can rejoice in that, knowing that it's going to be used in such a great way for years to come at the university. I, I did have that question, but I, you might have answered it already, is what, what, why is it so important for you to give this piano? But you talked a little bit about it being the best, and then... You have students at, your, at Bob Jones, and one of the characteristics of the university is that we want to be the best. If we're going to cut grass, we're going to cut grass the best. If we're going to examine the roof of the dormitories or the buildings, we want to do the best. We do the best. And I was on campus just a couple days ago, and I saw those beautiful lawns. And they cut the grass in the same directions. And it's beautiful. And I didn't see any gum wrappers hanging around the sidewalk or anything. Everything is the best. Now, to give this piano to the music 
in the fine arts area of the department of Bob Jones University, then they have an instrument there that when a young student comes from wherever, like I did from Memphis, and I didn't know that, I didn't know anything, but here they are, they're playing on the world's greatest piano. And they have administrators and teachers who are committed. And so they're saying, not by words only, but by the equipment, the piano, this is the best. And we want to see you do your best. And it's wonderful. And that's what, and it goes on. Goodness, it's been 63 years since I've been at the school. So the students we're training today, they're still going to be living in 2083 or 86, and that piano will still be there. And children unborn will play on that piano. And that's what's so thrilling about it. Give it. That is an exciting thought to think of all of the students and faculty in the yeah. future who will, who will have a chance to play and to learn, to grow. And to have the association. I played on the world's greatest piano, you know. I'm proud of the school. I'm proud of the tenets and the foundation that scripture gives me because it's a foundation to live a good life and to serve others and to give. The last thing I just want to find out from you is just, uh, I understand you are giving it in memory of Ellen. Yes. And I just wanted to know a little bit about uh, why that's, how much that means to you and, and what you think about. Well, I would not be in this business if it wasn't for her. She was uh, just so talented and gifted, but in her heart, dedicated to Christ. She taught piano for years and years. She became a harpist. She had, she played in the church orchestra harp there that we kept there year-round. We had a harp at the home. She had these smaller harps, troubadour harps that she had roll around. She became a certified um, worker with the hospitals. And for years, she would take her harps and uh, play for the sick. And one day, she was with a lady, and the family asked her to come, a member of our church. And they asked Ellen to come and to play her harp for their mother, who was dying. And she was playing the harp when the lady died. And I can't tell you what a thrill that was to the family. But it was normal for Ellen. She was just such a giving and vibrant person. And we miss her. But she's with the Lord. And we have that hope. Well, thank you for telling me about that. I, I, I appreciate you being willing to share. And it sounds like she was a wonderful part of your, your business. She was. We were married for 59 years. We had two wonderful children. She sounds like a wonderful lady. She, she was. Would you be willing to share with 
with David, the story that you told me about sitting next to Ellen in Rotahaver Auditorium and listening to the piano and you wanted to tell her something and she was oh. shushing you. <clears throat> I thought that was a funny story. Back in those days at Bob Jones University, and maybe even today, they had artist series. Is that still? Still have it. Still have it. Well, they had this pianist. He's still living. He lives in New York. I forget his name. But it was on one of our first dates. Oh, by the way, I met Ellen at the dinner table at Bob Jones. In those days, we had sit-down dinners together. And every six months or every six weeks, there would be a list posted in the alumni building of your new seat assignment. And uh, so one day I came to sit at the table and there was Ellen. I wasn't that impressed with her, but I thought her chin was too big. But then uh, <clears throat> I was dating around and I started dating Ellen. And we went to this artist series and the artist was a pianist. And we were sitting up in the balcony of the Rotahaver Auditorium sort of on the left side as you're facing the stage, up in the balcony. And he was playing along. I'd sort of lost interest or something. And so I started talking to her. And she said, shh. And so I thought, and I said, do you play the piano? She said, yes. And that's the first time that I knew that she played the piano. So I didn't start dating her because she could play the piano. Of course, I didn't know the piano would be a big part of my life when I was, uh, what was I, a junior in, in, at Bob Jones at that time. But that's when I discovered that she was a pianist. She played the piano for her society meetings and also for Mission Prayer Band, which was held in the uh, War Memorial Chapel. On behalf of Alumni Relations at Bob Jones University, I would like to thank you for listening to this story of God's grace. Subscribe for more stories like this one, and check the show notes of this episode for a link where you, just like John, can be involved in supporting the Division of Music at Bob Jones University. John, thank thank you so much. This has been wonderful. Thank you, David. I really appreciate it. It's been yes. it's been amazing.